Record Collections and Recollections. Out of the Box, with Mia Hull on FBI Radio. Hey, thanks for tuning in to FBI Radio 94.5. This is Out of the Box. Every Thursday from 12 to 1, I sit down with one person and their record collection and pour over some of the stories and songs from their life. We're broadcasting from the FBI studio in Redfern, which means we're coming to you from unceded land belonging to the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. I want to take this moment to pay my respects to Gadigal elders past, present and emerging and extend that respect to any First Nations person listening right now. Gadigal people have been sharing stories and songs on this land since the beginning of time. This always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Today I'm joined by an artist who works across some pretty diverse media. Her name is Lauren Brinkat. She's Sydney-based, but has travelled the world with her art for various residencies and mentorships. Lauren has a current studio residency at Carriage Works at the Clothing Store Artist Studio, and some of her work in the past has been bought by the Art Gallery of New South Wales to be part of their permanent collection. The Sydney Opera House has commissioned her piece, Tutti Presto FFF, which is a live sculpture taking place very soon. So we're going to talk about that and all of the moments in Lauren's life that have informed her practice and some of the songs that have played in the background for those as well. So much to get through. Lauren, thank you so much for joining me on Out of the Box. Thank you so much for having me. I guess first I want to get a feel for what your practice looks like. We are telling this story through a famously audio medium. But yeah, if someone was to be standing in front of a Lauren Brinkat piece of art, what would they see? And, you know, what are some of the indicators that it's been done by you? Oh, wow, that's a great question. (laughs) Um, I do work with sound a lot and instruments and drum kits And people often ask me if I play the drums and I answer, um, I play with drums or I play with instruments more than I play them traditionally. And I work with a lot of percussionists and musicians and I use a lot of cloth, um, uh, in particular sailcloth or silk. Um, So I guess you mentioned the Art Gallery of New South Wales piece that they bought, which was a part of the Sydney Biennale. Um, that was a really, um, that was called a, I'm called it a sound sculpture or a performance instrument um, and it was pleated sailcloth um, that moved and shaped um, over t- the three month time. So um, maybe you'd recognise my work as uh, large scale cloth and um, with sound. Can you tell me about the relationship between sound and fabric and why you work with those two Mediums. Ah, interesting. Um, I guess it depends on the site. Um, sound has always been a part of my practice. Um, fabric, um, maybe less so, but I have been using sailcloth for about 10 years now. Um, the first time was, I think, at Carriage Works, actually, just because of scale. Um, I was given a large... Um, a sale that I decorated with cassette tape so it had a thousand songs kind of hanging off it. Was there any um was there any meaning behind the cassette tapes that you chose or were they just random cassettes? Oh I had a collection of cassette tapes <laughs> mixtapes and then start and then people started giving them to me like Nell the Artist um, gave me a whole heap of her mm. um, mixtapes 
Um, my older sister um, had mixtapes. I used to make mixtapes. That's really showing my age. <laughs> um, um, and then it became obviously mixed CD tapes. And now I still make mixtapes, but obviously just like a, a Spotify playlist. So um, I've always been interested in using sound in my work or using the titles of um, songs to help um, articulate an artwork. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, well, that's perfect. And it's great that you're on Out of the Box today because we are kind of walking through a mixtape of your life and exploring some of the stories behind the songs that you've picked. Um, when we were doing the research for this episode, Lauren, there are a couple of words and phrases that came up in bios that I hadn't seen before. One of them said that your work explores nonverbal modes of expression through narratives or ideas. What does that mean? I guess, as maybe you can notice, that <laughs> um, I like to say that, you know, maybe art is my first language and English is my second. Mm. So I like to kind of use art to help express an idea. Um, or sound to help express an idea. So, um, you know, maybe talking with your hands or making art to um, portray an idea or a protest or a happening um, to really help, um, you know, the process of maybe something that's happening at the moment. So, um, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm interested in that. I'm, I'm wondering how sound and movement can express ideas mm. is it more that they speak to or evoke the feelings that certain ideas might carry absolutely and i think um through sound it kind of highlights every part of your brain so it's like the only thing that kind of um connects all your nerve endings in your brain so it really kind of um, brings an energy to your soul that nothing else can visually so um, to add sound or to see through sound you can see um, through sound so if you close your eyes and you can stand in front of my work the sound of the work you will visualize something but you can't um, hear you can't see you can't hear mm, that. <laughs> um, you can't do the opposite basically so I'm always interested in adding sound into the work or using the fabric to create some type of sound yeah I'm always interested if um, you know if you're visually impaired for the um, person to describe what they're seeing or how they're feeling through the work by you know looking oh this is gonna no, but I see I'm where you're going with that, and it's it is the way that we communicate day to day is so geared towards you know being able to see or being able to use words, and I don't think we spend enough time looking at all these other modes of communication that exist outside of that. Exactly, or just um, being good listeners, mm. even. What do you think are some of the ideas that you're trying to get across through? your work and through those sounds and movements? Um, I think I do like to, um, I guess the political and, and always comes into the work and um, except, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not making banners or signs and marching. No, I am doing that also. But um, through the work, I like to kind of um, maybe jolt the audience member or make them feel in a way that maybe they didn't expect. Earlier you talked about 
feeling like you communicate with art first before words. Do you think that there is a lot of separation between your practice and your life? There isn't any separation. <laughs> I think it's all um, all connected. You know, the way I cook for my friends or the way I put a song list together for a type of mood if... Um, you know, on my Spotify account, if when I was awarded the Carriage Work Studio, I made a new studio playlist. Um, when I got my new passport recently, I got so excited and I made a playlist for that. So, um, yeah, I don't think there's any separation between my art and my life. It's all just one. It sounds like you're good at soundtracking moments in your life as well, Lauren. So let's soundtrack this one. You've chosen a song by Aldous Harding to play on Out of the Box. Why did you pick this song? Oh, I just, you know, I could have picked any of her songs, to be honest. Um, especially at the moment, I've been listening to her going to the studio at Carriage Works and on my way back home, um, she's always playing in my car and it just seemed really appropriate that I play her music. Every song, every, um, the way she moves, I feel like she just morphs herself constantly and I, I can resonate with that. So I hope you enjoy it. This is Fever by Aldous Harding and you're listening to it right here on FBI Radio 94.5. This is Out of the Box. I'm Mia Hull and I'm joined by artist Lauren Brinkat. Fever! When we met at hotel reception That was Aldous Harding on FBI Radio 94.5. The song was called Fever and it was chosen by my guest on Out of the Box today, Lauren Brinkhat, who is an artist. We were just talking about your art, Lauren, but I want to wind back to the beginning of your life and kind of look at some of the ideas that have informed the art making you partake in now. You are a Sydney-based artist. Is Sydney where you grew up as well? It is where I grew up. I grew up in Western Sydney. Um, and I pretty much had my whole 20s here and then have travelled a lot um, with mentorships and residencies. I had a really, um, what I thought was quite a normal upbringing. I spent, um, I grew up in, yeah, kind of Villawood and um, spent a lot of time at my grandparents' house because we had a full house and one of four um, girls and yeah, every Friday night I'd go to my grandparents and pretend I was an only child. <laughs> um, Were you the oldest? No, I'm middle. I'm a classic middle child. I've got an older sister and twin sisters who are younger than me. Mm. Um, and I think I was, everyone was very happy, me, um, to be kind of shipped off to my grandparents. And I think my mum was also happy just to have help. Yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, it was kind of a, a you know multicultural um, upbringing. Um, m- all my family were born in Egypt, um, but my grandmother is kind of Italian Egyptian, and my grandfather is um, Maltese, and on my mum's side, lots of Greeks. So it was really just like a crazy loud um, upbringing with lots of different food and languages that were thrown around um, constantly. So. You know, 
one of my favorite things still going to my grandparents' house is the Egyptian mural that someone painted on their shed um, to make my grandmother feel um, less homesick. Mm. So it's still there. And I just thought that was normal, having an Egyptian, you know, mural in the backyard. What does it look like? It's like a, um, you know, sphinx and <laughs> like... Um, just like a, the most kind of stereotypical Egyptian <laughs> um, versions of, I don't know, what, what does it look like? I can show you a picture. That doesn't does it have hieroglyphics painted on yeah, it? Yeah, all over it. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. It's truly amazing. And mm. it's really sun bleached. And I think it's been there since the 50s. So, yeah, I can't imagine it staying there once the house goes. But they've also been living there. That was their, yeah, they haven't moved since they arrived to Australia. And it's it's huge, actually. And it's just a view that I think I grew up looking at. What do you think it means to have spent so much time with your grandparents growing up? Do you think your experience of childhood was very different from your sister's because of that? Possibly. I've never spoken to them about it, actually. It's, it's deeply influenced my work. I did a, a project a couple of years ago called The Plant Library where I um, worked in Western Sydney and... Um, it was all about growing food from your backyard and that's what my grandparents did and you know I used to make panettone with my grandmother and during lockdown I I made hollow which is different from panettone but honestly it's just another sweet bread Um, and I can see her hands in my hands when I you know knead dough and um, I think it's had a profound influence she worked at the Bonds factory for 25 years and there was fabric everywhere and Um, I think just watching her um, come home with fabric and, and, um, you know, patterns from the factory and then making them at home because it was cheaper, um, doing that all weekend on the machine, I think it's just had like, yeah, an innate um, kind of influence on my practice, absolutely. I guess that's more of a nuanced influence. Did you have anyone around you when you were little who was engaged in creative arts in any way that might have impacted you or was it kind of just taking on your grandmother working with fabric and Um, having art around the home? Just, I mean, look, I don't think I went to a museum or a gallery until maybe the school took me. So Really? Yeah, it wasn't a part of what we did on the weekend. Um, we just went to our cousin's house. We had big, you know, Greek or Italian cook-ups. Um, you know, I didn't do anything. I, you know, I wouldn't have gone to visit or I wouldn't have gone to the art gallery in New South Wales or, um, yeah, nothing like that. I mean, yeah, I think going to Fairfield, you know, more would have been the highlight, if anything. Mm. You said before that there's not really any separation between your artistic practice and your life. Mm. Was that always the case for you? It doesn't sound like it could have been that way when you were little. Do you know, when I was little, I would make, um, I would would draw cartoons. And I think I wanted to be a cartoon artist, like a cartoonist, um, because I think that was the closest to what I thought an artist could be. Like I wasn't really exposed to... Um, much else and I was you know I think I was always the creative kid I always just wanted to draw I always just wanted to paint and you know it's not that my parents weren't encouraging but I just don't think they thought that could be a career Um, I don't know it's kind of strange looking back I you know we went to school we came home 
um, we watched TV. Like it wasn't, there wasn't any extracurricular or um, encouraging of um, <laughs> those things. Like it was quite a pretty standard household. I don't know how to, you know, it's really different. Now my seven-year-old goes to NIDA and, you know, <laughs> does swimming at a swimming classes and, yeah, she goes to the National Art School and does painting classes. <laughs> like it's very different to how I got, you know, how I was brought up. But somewhere along the line there must have been a switch for you because you have become a practising artist. And In the next part of the show we're going to look at that switch. First, you've chosen a song by The Easy Beats to play. Lauren, can you tell me about this one? Just through our conversation maybe a bit before the show, you know, I've always come back to the Easy Beats, just mostly knowing that they also grew up in Billwood and they were a huge success. And um, I love this song and it just, it, you know, it's it's kind of nice to know that they could do it from Villawood and maybe so could I. This is Friday on My Mind by the Easy Beats on FBI Radio 94.5. Friday on my mind. It was the Easy Beats on FBI Radio 94.5. You are listening to Out of the Box. I'm Mia Hull and today I have the pleasure of sitting down with artist Lauren Brinkat. And right now I want to get into the title Artist Lauren because just before we played that song we talked about your early life growing up in Villawood and how you hadn't actually visited an art gallery until you started going to them through school. And you kind of painted a picture that didn't look so much like your family was pushing you into the arts. So I'm wondering how you arrived here and when art started to look like a viable lifestyle for you. Oh, I think I always knew um, that I was creative and that was the only thing I was actually quite good at. Well, yeah, it's interesting. I think now um, kids are encouraged to be um, smart in all different ways. Um, but growing up, I think it wasn't, you know, in the 80s, it wasn't um, quite the case. So um, I think I just always knew I wanted to be an artist. There wasn't really a plan B. And, you know, how did I go? I think, you know, at the time getting into art school just seemed like the only option. And I got into the National Art School before finishing the HSC and then I applied for Sydney Uni and um, in the end I think I just chose the campus because I think it was just a nicer campus at SEA. Um, but I think maybe if I went to National Art School I might have been quite a different artist. Well, maybe it would have been, it took me longer to get to this point, but um, yeah, quite quickly I learned that I didn't have to paint and that I could, um, you know, use other things like drumsticks instead of um, paintbrushes. Is that because of the course that you were doing? Is it one that kind of encourages artists to explore different mediums? Yeah, I think my first teacher was Matthias Gerber and he said, why are you still painting? And I was like, oh, that's an interesting question. Why am I? And I think what the class did was really separate the true painters to Mm. other people exploring other things. And um, I think I wasn't really exposed to um, different types of mediums or you know, I hadn't seen lots of art at that point. And then I quickly realised that there was an endless supply of materials and ideas and the way that you could project work. So um, 
it just, you know, it was like that light bulb moment that I see with some of my first years where you're like, oh, yeah, I don't have to make it like this. And maybe I can just use sound or maybe I can, um, you know, use drum kits or maybe I can use sailcloth and how exciting. At the very top of the show, you were talking about drum kits and you were talking about how you use them, but then also how you get other people in to use them with you. Mm -hmm. Why is collaboration important in your practice and how did that come to be? Oh, I love collaboration. I get, I mean, I get so excited by the magic of collaboration. At the moment, I'm collaborating with um, Leah Giblin. Um, This is not the first time and um, Alex Dennison and she's been in all my sound pieces. So um, I have an amazing group of um, artists who I've collaborated with and I think what happens is it really just makes magic in the work. Um, Just the to and fro and the, um, you know, I'll come up with an idea but I won't necessarily know how to make it or write a sound piece. I can write it with text and then Alex can put notes to it. Um, you know, yeah, I was going to ask you how that works, how, yeah, you're, because you said you don't play the drums, how your ideas of what something might sound like can translate to a drummer actually creating that. How do you convey those to, to the people that you collaborate with? You know, I think because I've collaborated with these drummers for so long, they know what to expect mm-hmm. now. So, for instance, with um, Tucci Presto, I collaborated with Alex and you know, we will write things like the performance will take seven years. And of course, it only takes 20 minutes, but seven years before, um, you know, climate action um, is irreversible. So at seven years, um, I'll ask the group to, you know, begin with one note and hit them. Um, And then at 17 minutes, it's like the eighth note with woody textures, shells, etc. And then there's like, you know, sizzling, crackling, bubbling, um, words like this that, you know, um, that I'll use to articulate the type of sound. And during rehearsal, there's a lot of um, no rules and (laughs) um, coming up with sound. And then I think the more we rehearse and come together and gather, the more interesting the piece becomes. And can you play a pattern um, together that sounds like as wild as the wind or the sound of temperatures rising? Um, So... Um, yeah, interesting things come from that, and I think musicians respond well to well to think um, text and the freedom to um, play around with these sounds when it's not just you know notes on a page. Mm. Well, mm. they're artists too. Absolutely, oh, yeah, and I respect them so much, and it's so grateful for them to um, help me. And you know, I definitely don't think this is just my work. It's really there's ten of us, and I think everyone's the artist. Mm. When you are talking about collaboration, is that usually with musicians, or do you collaborate with other art makers a lot? Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm collaborating with Leah Giblin, who helped me with the um, the fabric score, um, and we used silk this time. And what we did was we spent a lot of time at the studio together, drawing up a pattern and a painting, and um, and we start with that. And I look at, I actually look at notes, some pages, and. Um, for this one, we looked at Wild is the Wind a lot, the, um, you know, the Nina Simone song um, and also David Bowie did a version which I think maybe is um, better. But anyway, that's controversial. <laughs> um, and then we put those notes into the score. So what you'll see at the Opera House is 
um, a dancing fabric that's made out of silk, so a sail for the sails that also has um, patterned of the opera house tiles in it. Um, so the girls were re- responding to text as well as the way that the wind is moving the sailcloth. So it's almost site-specific. Very then. site-specific, always, yeah. When you say always, is your work always site-specific? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I get a lot of, yeah, if someone invites me to a show or um, every everything I do is really site-specific because I don't ever want the work to look plonked or mm. out of place or I like to use the architecture to, um, yeah, almost... Uh, encourage the work so I have a solo show at the moment at Anna Schwartz and it's a really long huge space and I've got these old um, uh, drop sheets that are at the back of the space and I've called the work backstage so what you enter into the gallery is the back of a stage. Mm. That's so interesting. (laughs) Yeah so you become the um, performer. I'm so fascinated by artwork that's rooted in the place that it's at as well and I'm wondering where your fascination for that came from and why you think it's important to as you said not have an artwork look plonked Mm. oh maybe that's how I feel I mean that you know I'm saying probably saying this for the first time maybe that's how I feel as a person because (laughs) it's really hard when someone asks me oh you know where are your parents from or how do you describe yourself you know obviously I was born here I'm Australian, I'm first generation, but my parents are, you know, they speak Greek and Italian and there's this, but they were born in Egypt. So there's this kind of displacement of knowing exactly, you know, who I am in terms of, um, yeah, I guess it's an innate way of, um, hmm, I don't know how to answer that one. That's okay. <laughs> I No, it's it's interesting. I think what I'm taking from that is that, you are exploring bigger ideas and bigger histories or in the Tutti Presto work, you're um, looking at climate action, but there's a part of it that will be rooted in self mm. almost. Yeah, you, I think as artists you can't help it. Yeah. Well, you said that your art is a part of your life mm, as well. Exactly. Lauren, you did mention David Bowie and Nina Simone before you argued that maybe David Bowie's version of a song was better, but you've chosen Nina Simone to play on Out of the Box anyway. Can you tell me about the track you picked? I like this track because she's, you know, she's riffing off on um, people around her that are, what did I say? You said it had chutzpah before. Yeah, (laughs) it's got chutzpah and she's, you know, she's angry and no, but what's the rapping? I want to read that bit out. It's like, Oh, stop oh, clean your- up your rap stories, getting dusty. Yeah, clean up your rap stories, getting dusty, which I picked this song before um, the election last week because I just feel like what she's saying, you know, was maybe how we all felt, or most of us, because clearly some people voted the other way. Mm. Um, and I just feel like it's, you know, there's enough crap going on and it's time to really take action. And this song, I think, is a, is a good metaphor for what's going on. You're listening to Out of the Box on FBI Radio 94.5. We're about to jump into a song by Nina Simone. It was chosen by my guest on the show, artist Lauren Brinkat. The song is called Funkier Than a Mosquito's Tweeter. You're nothing but a dirty, dirty old man. You do your thinking with a one-track mind. You keep talking about heaven glory, but on your face is a different story. Clean up your rap. 
Your story's getting dusty. Wash out your mouth, your lies are getting rusty. Can't believe nothing you say. Cause I'm around and I see what you do. You know you're buggier than a mosquito's tweeter. You got a mouth. You're listening to FBI Radio 94.5 DAB, or if you're streaming via the podcast or on the website, fbiradio.com. That song was by Nina Simone. It was called Funkier Than a Mosquito's Tweeter, and it was chosen by my guest on Out of the Box, artist Lauren Brinkat. But you're not just an artist, Lauren, you're a teacher. Oh. Tell me about that. (laughs) You know, I've only just started teaching. I I did one class um, in 20. 20 um before the pandemic i was just doing one class first year and then i was going to do a residency in paris um but that obviously didn't happen and so i've kept teaching and what i found is i i really love it so i'm at uh, unsw a couple of times a week and um teaching artists how to be artists in the studio studio art practice is there any theory involved in that or no uh there's a little bit i mean there's a um, it's not so much a theory class, but just a practical class. But I showed them a lot of slides, and we do a lecture at the beginning, and then we have a usually a quite a heavy and fun discussion about the art world, and um, and then I encourage art making. Do you think that there are particular lessons that you've learnt in your artistic practice that you're imparting on your students? Uh, I think. You know, it's it's quite funny being called a teacher because I've relied so heavily on mentors and artists above me that it's quite nice to kind of give back. Um, y- yes, I'm a teacher, but I also, I, I think I let them know that I'm an artist. So what I'm teaching them is just um, things that I've learnt. Um, so I'm just showing them my practice and through my practice, maybe encouraging them to just take risks. Mm. Well, mm. it was interesting to me when you were talking about your experience at art school before and someone saying to you, why are you painting? You don't have to paint, you can do anything. And I'm wondering if that's the kind of role that you're playing with your students as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah I, I encourage all sorts of things um, that, uh, uh, yeah, no, I, I hope to think that I inspire them in a way that is just a new way of thinking and um you know, I'm just there to kind of guide them through their own practice. And I think a lot of it when you're first starting out is just taking the risk and knowing that the failure is okay because even after every project I do, I'm like, how am I going to do it better? Like it's never it's never right and perfect. And um, I think that's why I just keep going. Do you mean by that that being a practising artist means always learning? Oh, absolutely. And and shifting and pushing and um, learning new ways. And um, yeah, every every project I've done, I've learned so much. And um, I feel kind of enriched by the people around me and, and my collaborators to kind of um, for the next thing. Yeah. You have a group of first years who've created their own creative space yes can you tell me about that that's so interesting (laughs) yes um I taught last semester and I yeah and I I think you know whether I don't know if I had anything to do with it but we went to first draft and first draft has a major role in the community I showed so much of my early works there 
um, JD Reformer is really encouraging and always so generous talking to my students. And um, one of my students started an artist-run space called Number 23 um, in her home and invited all first years to show. And after, yeah, it's a 10, 12-week um you know, class and, um, yeah, and they started an artist-run space. So I encourage all artists to do that because in Sydney it's becoming really impossible to show your work and, um, it you know, the rent's so high that if you can turn your backyard into a, an art um, gallery for the night, then 100% do it. That's so cool. <laughs> it is. It's so cool. I think about the shit that I was doing in first year and it's not very impressive at all no absolutely (laughs) not I would have been petrified yeah I think that's half of it too not to kind of get to that point earlier like what will they be doing in third year yeah I mean it's brilliant I feel like I got to that you know second or third year but Mm. to do it after one term and to take that risk and to have that practice is um is really encouraging and I'm and I'm I'm so happy that they they did that and so proud under your mentorship well done (laughs) oh I don't know maybe there was others too there's probably others but um yeah I'm super glad they did it yeah and I'll um I'll put a link to that space in the programs page on fbiradio.com if anyone wanted to check it out that's where you'll find it well in talking about your students Lauren you were Mm. saying that sometimes you play some slides for them in class or at the beginning of class mm. some of that involves music <laughs> what's the next song you wanted to play today um look I like to start my class usually because everyone's you know about five minutes late but if I start the class with a um a video clip or um a song um it usually gets their attention and kind of wakes them up at nine o'clock um there's a couple you know um Sometimes I play Daft Punk and then I'm always so surprised when some of the students have never heard of them and it just makes me feel old but kind of glad that I'm there <laughs> in a funny way. And Or I'll play Beyonce um, Hold Up because it's a really um, amazing in, you know, example of appropriation because she's um, used the Pippi Lottie um, video from the 90s. So, um, you know, there's... There's always examples of visual arts and music that, you know, um, connect. And I also play Beyonce with my daughter when we're driving to school. So it's quite nice. Gives her a bit of like... A bit strong, of a musical education. Strong, no, just strong female energy before she gets to class. Um, well, yeah, if you're on your way to school now, I hope this makes you feel empowered. We are going to jump into Beyonce on FBI Radio 94.5. This song is called Hold Up. They don't love you like I love you. Slow down. They don't love you like I love you. Back up. They don't love you like I love you. Step down. They don't love you like I love you. Can't you see there's no other man above you? What a wicked way to treat the girl that loves you. Oh, love. They don't love you like I love you. Oh, down. They don't love you like I love you. Something don't feel right because it ain't right, especially coming up after midnight. Beyonce, that song was called Hold Up, and you heard it right here on FBI Radio 94.5. This show is out of the box. I'm Mia Hull. I'm joined by artist Lauren Brinkat. And Lauren has an exhibition happening as a part of Vivid, which you can catch. Exhibition might not be the right word. It's more of a performance piece, but I'll let you tell me about it, Lauren. Um, 
You know, I, I want the audience to come and just have a look themselves, but there'll be a procession through um, leading up to the opera house, um, which I still like saying that out loud is still so exciting and surreal that this is actually happening and I've had this yeah. opportunity. And we will carry um, two large silk scores. Um, so the 10 of us will carry the silk scores up the steps um, and then six of the performers, the drummers, they will start playing a score um, in response to the silk that will dance and become the performer at um, the top podium. So that goes for about half an hour. Congratulations. Thank you so much. <laughs> it's really um, a dream come true. Yeah. I don't even know if it was a dream, so it's amazing that it's happening. Yeah, yeah. and it's happening over half an hour, but over the course of four days. You'll do it four times. Mm-hmm. The first one is on Friday the 27th of May. The last one is on Saturday the 4th of June. I'll put all the details to that up on the programs page on fbiradio.com. But if you did want to find it, it's called Tutti Presto FFF. Congratulations, Lauren. <laughs> Thank you it's so, so much. exciting. Yeah, it is. It's really exciting. <laughs> You've described kind of what the artwork will look like mm. or sound like. Mm. Can you tell me maybe what idea you're trying to evoke through that? I mean, I don't want to I don't want to tell the audience members what the idea is. I'm just hoping that they will feel it in the work. Um, but when I got asked and when I wrote about the work and the idea of the sound of the temperatures rising, 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 like um, it was just before the floods and it was impossible to make a work that didn't have all these kind of climate crises involved. So what I'm trying to do is just kind of wake things up and, you know, after the weekend I feel a little bit, a tiny bit more relieved about our future. So hopefully there'll be a shift and this work will bring these things to attention. It's such an amazing opportunity to show um, on this kind of platform, on this podium. (laughs) The way that you even answered that question kind of speaks to what we discussed at the very top of the show, which was about making art that doesn't, it's nonverbal and it makes you feel something through the sound and the texture and the visuals more than explicitly saying anything. Exactly. And, yeah, it sounds like a super interesting piece. So I'll put all the details of that one up on the website. Um, Lauren, what song would you like to finish Out of the Box on? Yeah, let's do Energy Step of the Great. Why did you pick this one? Oh, because, you know, there were some really hard moments in the studio when Leah and I were making the cloth and... You know, we did it all by hand and putting it together and it was like, you know, day goodness knows what in the studio on a Sunday and it's cold and we'll put on Stab of the Great and it'll just give us the energy that we needed. We'll jump into it now on Out of the Box and FBI Radio 94.5. The song is by Sound for the Great. It's called Energy. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in to my interview with artist Lauren Brinkhead. If you did want to find anything more about Lauren, it will be on the programs page on fbiradio.com. You'll also find all of the details to her upcoming show, Tutti Presto, FFF, happening as part of Vivid. And Lauren's full track list will be there. If you want to listen back you can do that by the podcast or on the programs page as well i want to give a big shout out to emma higgins for producing this episode and do stay tuned lunch is right around the corner fbi my gosh we raise you please sympathize all the lies we raise you please be allies all the time
for Mali energy. Drink a cup of quarters on my chorus, then I code up. Hey. If I rule the world, money stacks for all my daughters. Hey. Never ask for payment in the womb times nine. Now we see the blood on the street times try. Feminine energy, balance up the indestructible in the vaginal heaven in thine. Heaven is mine. Spiritual, lyrical, mother sang sweetest taboo.